This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Romans 15, 13. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this scripture because it is loaded with a lot of promises by God, from God, for you. I praise the Lord. Our theme for September is restoration. When you talk about restoring something, if something is being restored, you can, a few synonyms, you can say it's been reinstated. You know, it was in a form before. The form has changed. Now you are reinstating it, so you say it's restored. Uh, you, you have a phone that is broken, right? And then you take it to the shop, the phone repair shop, and they fix it for you. They restore it. It's now working as it should. Praise the Lord. To restore can also mean to rebuild. To restore can mean to repair. My prayer for somebody listening this morning, whether you're watching online or you're here in, in person, is that whatever needs fixing in your life, God will fix it in the name of Jesus. Uh, you have tried on your own. It's not worked out so well. Uh, amen. Uh, God will do what he alone can do in the name of Jesus. So as we continue, uh, one of the emphases that I gave at the Festival of Life service is as I reflect on our theme, what God is really saying to me is that we need a spiritual rejuvenation. Amen. We need a revival. You know, the week of the uh, Women of uh, Relevant Women's Conference, I was in the living room and I just... It was, I don't even know if I napped or whatever, but I saw a vision. And in that vision, I saw, I saw the church and the roof was on fire. And of course, you can imagine my reaction. The church is on fire, you know. And I heard a still small voice tell me that that's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it refreshed me. You know, I continued to ponder on that. And then the Lord said to me, that that is the fire of revival. So as the Lord is saying to us, restoration, may God revive you. Amen. May God revive me. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I believe this confidently, that COVID did a number on the church. Many lives are not the same anymore because of COVID. You know, there's such apathy in the air now that people don't really care too much. But my prayer is that God will rejuvenate us. God will restore us spiritually. We will be stronger than ever before in the name of Jesus. David came to a point in his life in Psalm 51 uh, verses 10, 11, and 12. David said, create in me a clean heart a new heart, a right spirit, and renew a right spirit within me, a loyal spirit, verse 11. Verse 11 says, 
Cast me not, do not banish me from your presence and don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. I praise the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying, I need a revival. We need a revival. You need a revival. I need a revival. You know, one of the things I will not deny is that even myself, I'll be the first to admit that it did a number of myself. I praise the Lord. Both physically, mentally, emotionally, he did a number on me. But I thank God because it is a time of restoration. It is a time of revival in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Whatever psychological or mental health impact COVID has had on you, today, not tomorrow, today the Lord will restore you. He will restore you back to his original intended plan for your life and for my life in the name of Jesus. So last week, the focus really was, I said, look up, look up. And we looked at Psalm 121. And I said to you that when situations happen to us, there are a number of places we can look. We can look around, you know, who will help me. Or when it's really bad and you are just like you lost it, you are looking down. You know, head bowed, shoulders drop, you're just looking down. Or you can look up. And I said, the only place there is restoration is in looking up. I pray that you will look up to God in the name of Jesus. So we continue today uh, where we left off. Uh, we're talking about hope in God. We know who God is, isn't it? At least I assume you know who God is. God is the creator of everything. He made you, he made me, and he made us in, our, in his own image and in his own likeness. You know, so when somebody tells me anything funny about me, I say, well, tell it to the, tell the creator. <laughs> so you have a big head. Thank you. Tell God. Don't tell me I didn't make, did I create myself? Did I do anything special to make my head big? No. Or they say you have a small head. He said, tell the master, the one that, <laughs> the one that created us. Yeah. So when we talk about hope in God, let's quickly ground ourselves in definition. What is hope? Hope is a total grounding of one's confidence and expectation in God's goodness and providential care, even in the face of trouble. I told you last week, when you know what you believe is in time of crisis, when things are good, everybody can say, my trust is in the Lord. I trust the Lord. And things are good. You trust in the Lord. We know you trust in the Lord. You know, in fact, you say, I, it's because I trust in the Lord that everything is good. But when things are not going well, what do you trust in? Amen. So even in the face of trouble, we ground our total confidence in the master, the God, and the lover of our soul. So I said a few synonyms of hope is trust. You know, when you talk of hope, you can't hope in someone you don't trust. You know, you have to implicitly trust someone to put your confidence in them. Amen? So, we said that that is what hope is. So, this week, I mean, today, as we round this up, what I'd like to do is tell you a few things that I think are important for you to know about hope. Amen? And number one, I want you to know today that God commands us to put our hope in him. Not in man, not in systems. Systems will fail. Men will fail you. 
You know, men of good intentions will fail. You know, they really want to do it. In fact, they are determined to do it. They have given you their word. They have made a promise. And you know that this person, when they promise, they always deliver. What if they die? Amen? And during Sunday school this morning, that's one of the things they talked about. You know? So the person really, really, really wants to help you, but there are no more. You know? Nobody, not you, not me, none of us has control over our lives. To say, oh, I'm going to live a hundred years, and that settles it. Keep on living. You will somehow, you will figure it out. Uh, praise the Lord. Psalm 131, verse 3. Psalm 131, verse 3. It says, Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord sometimes. I just, I'm trying to see who's awake. Because I see many people sitting very comfortably. So it's good that you are comfortable. At least nobody is fanning and saying, oh, it's hot in here. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. He says, oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. What is he saying? In good times, put your hope in the Lord. In unpleasant times, put your hope in the Lord. Why? Because he's the one that can truly, truly deliver us. Proverbs chapter 3, I love this one. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, the problem isn't for some people that they don't trust. It's just that they don't trust with all their heart. You know, I trust God in some things. I trust him that he'll wake me up tomorrow. Amen? But when it comes to certain things, I trust my brain. I trust my strength. I trust my own abilities. But the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, because strength will fail. Men will fail. It says, some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Uh, Brethren, my encouragement to you this morning is put your trust in the Lord. It is a commandment from God. Why would I put my trust in the Lord? Psalm 130, verse 7. Psalm 130, verse 7. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is what? Unfailing love. His redemption overflows. God loves you. You know, many people will tell you, oh, the reason you are going through what you're going through is because you angered God. Anybody ever had that? Oh, yeah. The reason you are suffering is because you angered God. And uh, therefore, God is punishing you. <laughs> we will get to that point in a little bit. Watch this. Friends, God has never made a promise that he cannot keep. If God makes a promise to you, he will keep his word. He is not man that he will lie, neither the son of man that he will repent. What he says he will do, take you to the bank, he will do it. You read many examples in the scripture, how God made promises to, the, to his people. The children of Israel, for example, he sent them a deliverer. He sent them Moses. When Moses showed up, he didn't look real. You know, <laughs> They looked at him, you, against 
Pharaoh. Don't forget at this time, Moses had been on the backside of the desert 40 years. He was not looking royal. He was not looking princely. You know, when we read Bible, we read too fast. That's why we don't get some of those uh, hidden little, it's not hidden, it's, it's, it's there in plain sight. When Moses came back, Moses came back as a shepherd. He didn't come as the royalty that he was before he left. Now God has dealt with him, you know, weather has dealt with, I'm sure he's looking more brown than they ever knew him to look like. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Burnt! Sunburn in the sun. It's not in the palace with people blowing him warm. No, 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 no. He has seen life how life really is. When you see somebody that has, somebody that life has dealt with, they don't need introduction. Once they show up, you know, wow. 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 We need to help this brother. We need to help this sister. You, you just know. And that was the case. So when Moses came, all battered and looking with long beard, he said, you against Pharaoh, keep on living. You will find out. You know? So it didn't look like real help. Why? Because they looked at him, they said, this is no match for Pharaoh. But when God says a thing, he does what he says. You know? Even God, God the Bible says God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. He wanted to make a point to them. For them to understand that it doesn't matter how difficult the situation is. It doesn't matter how strong your enemy is. God is stronger. God is bigger. God is mightier. God is far, far. In fact, God is in a class by himself and nothing else compares to him. Praise the Lord. So God hardened the heart of Pharaoh time after time, time after time. He will say he will do it, then he won't do it. Then he will say, I repent, please stop this plague. And then they pray for him, the plague stops. And then they say another. And he just kept going until God dealt with him. Finally, he said, please go quickly and pray for me before you leave. Even after they left, he still went in pursuit. There was Red Sea in front of them. There was an army behind them. That was the song the choir sang earlier. Even all of that terrible situation did not deter God. He, he halted the enemy behind them and he made a way in the sea for them to walk on dry ground. God will make a way for you. Amen. You didn't hear that one. I said God will make a way for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. You know, I read a scripture in Amos, Amos 9, 13 through 15. Amos 9, 13 through 15. And it just gave me a fresh, confident hope, knowing that this God is who he says he is. Amen. The Bible says the time will come, says the Lord. This was way before anything like this ever happened. The word of prophecy came. Has God given you a word of prophecy? And it's taking long. Everything God has said will come to pass. Okay, five people believed it. Watch. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and graves will grow faster than they can be harvested. Then the terraced vineyards on the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. I will bring my exiled people of Israel back from distant lands, and they will rebuild their ruined cities and live in them again. They will plant vineyards and gardens. They will eat their crops and drink their wine. 
I will firmly plant them there in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. Every word of this prophecy has been fulfilled. Israel, as tiny as that nation is, a nation in the desert is a food basket for the world. They have more than enough to feed themselves that they even export. Every word of this prophecy has come to pass. This is promises made, promises kept. I want to remind you this morning that every promise that God has made, God keeps his promises. He's not man that he will lie, neither the son of man that he will repent. In the name of Jesus. Remember, hope in God is a command. It's not a, a, a suggestion or an idea or something like that. It's a command. And we really don't have a choice. If you are a child of God, put your confident hope in the one that laid down his life for the salvation of your soul. It is worth it. It is worth it. Number two that I want you to remember is that we put our confident hope in God despite difficulties and trials. It is not subjective. In the time of trouble, we must put our confident hope in God. You know, like I was saying earlier, some people will say the reason you're going through is because you have sinned. God is punishing you for your sin. I wonder what such people will say about Job in Job chapter 1 and verse 1. In, in chapter 1, God himself was making a boast. It was... He was bragging on Job. He said, there, was, uh, there, there once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Oz. He was blameless. Somebody say blameless. blameless. Can we just read it together? He was what? Blameless. A man of complete intent. When God is describing you like this, there's something about your life. A man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. Yet, he suffered greatly. He suffered what? Greatly. In fact, in Job chapter 2 verse 9 and, and 10, the Bible says his wife said to him, what's wrong with you? You are still maintaining your integrity? Remember what the scripture said about you. That he was a man of complete integrity. Many people have lost their integrity because of a situation in their lives. Married, married with children, came to America and divorced the wife to marry somebody else just to get paper. Lost integrity because of a circumstance. The Bible says the wife was saying to him, say, Job, are you still maintaining integrity? Curse God and die. Why? Because his fortune just changed overnight. All his children dead, all his property gone, his life was a mess. He said, curse God and die. And what did he say? He said, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing Job was not suffering because he sinned. In fact, the only thing 
he did was because of his suffering, he sinned. You had that before. Friends, it is what it is. When life happens, and life happens to every one of us, when life happens, go back to him. The author and the giver of life. He's the source. He's the source of everything. Go back to him. Go back to him. Praise the Lord. When I go back to him in full confidence, I am not distracted by what's going on all around me. You know, a lot of times, and I think many of us, we don't mean to do it, but we do it. You know, when you think about God, you think about God in terms of the people you know. Amen? So, God made a promise. You are wondering if they will do it, or if, if he will do it, or he wouldn't do it. The reason you are thinking like that is because you have people in your life that you know you cannot trust. They have made promises. They have broken promises. They are not. They don't have integrity. But God is not your friend. God is not your, in some cases, your dad that wouldn't keep his word. God is not your pastor that is limited. He sleeps, he eats, he does number one, number two, he does everything. That's not God. He's busy. He's busy sometimes. But that's not God. God is available to you at all times. Praise the Lord. Even Samuel, Samuel, the Bible said concerning Samuel that not a word he said fell to the ground without being accomplished. That was Samuel. Samuel got to the house of Jesse in 1 Samuel chapter 16. You know, he was going there to anoint a king. The first guy he saw, he said, surely this is the anointed of the Lord. Why? You know why? He's thinking as a man. He looked at the guy. The guy is tall, broad shoulder. He, he probably could see scars on him. He said, ah, oh, this one has been to battle. This will, be a, it will make a good king. That is how we reason. We reason with our senses. And God is beyond our senses. I praise the Lord. We calculate based on our five senses. But God is beyond our five senses. That is why it is important for you and I to be rooted and grounded in scripture. So you know what God says. The reason we call it miracle is because it transcends the natural. The reason you say something is supernatural is because it is beyond the natural. Everything God does is supernatural. It may not be spectacular to you. You know, like somebody giving their life. You make an altar call and somebody surrenders their life to, to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's a supernatural thing. Because there's a transformation that takes place within. It's a spiritual thing. It's beyond natural is what it means. So everything God does is supernatural. Uh, but God is beyond all of that. Uh, praise the Lord. The psalmist, the psalmist said in Psalm 42 and verse 5. And I believe this is a word for somebody here today. Or somebody watching online. He said, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then he encouraged himself. He said, I will put, I will put my hope 
in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. What is this saying? It's saying the escape from that discouragement and that sadness that is gripping your heart, that is gripping your soul at this time, the solution, the out for it is hoping in God. I will hope in God. I will hope in God. Why? Because God is my Savior. Amen? He came from heaven to earth. He died. On the third day, he rose and he ascended back to heaven and is coming back. I can trust in that. I can stand on that. I believe that and I trust in that. I praise the Lord. He says, I will put my hope in God. I encourage you, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. You know, it, it doesn't matter what is working and what is not working. God remains God. Friends, it's not about me, it's about God. You know, but I can tell you stories. Stories and how one after the other, God has sent me through. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. Number three, very quickly. Uh, we don't have a lot of time. I, I have six. I'm just going to jump, jump to number, the last one uh, for today. Let me take this and then one more. When you put your hope in God, it secures you. Amen? That hope you put in God, it secures you. It protects you. And it gives you confidence. Praise the Lord. How many people know the story of Gideon and the Midianites? Okay. It took a minute before God could convince Gideon. God told him, Gideon, you're the man. He said, I need proof. He said, let, let, the, let the dew fall on this and not fall on that. He was throwing all kinds of tantrums. And God obliged him. You know, how God obliges us sometimes. You know, the kind of stuff we say to God. Anyway. So God said, Gideon, you are going to deliver the people of Israel from the Midianites. And here's the strategy. So, as a man, Gideon, once God said that and he finally agreed to go, he was looking around like you and I. Looking at he was, he went and gathered an army, 13,000 plus strong. And God said, you have too many people. I can't work with these people. There's too many of them. If you go to battle like this, you come back, you say, we won. Say, I want to show you that I'm the one that is at work in your life and not you. So God trimmed the army down to 300. 300. 300. Guess the number of the enemy's uh, army. Any guess? Just say a number. 10,000, okay. Be sports, just say a number. You don't know it already. Just guess a number. <laughs> Anybody? 20,000? Anybody? 50,000? All of the guesses are wrong and they are low. <laughs> so go, go higher. 100,000, close to it. Over 100,000. And God said, go with 300 men. You have to trust in this God. For you to go face, it was like one to 450. 
one to 450. One Jewish army to 450 of the enemies. Will it surprise you that Gideon and his men won? No. They did. They did. All those strategies you have put in place, it can work. It can work because God has given us brain. We can function. We can process. We can, we can put things together. But it works better when you let God lead you. When you put your hope in God, when you put your confidence in God, what was not enough will be more than sufficient. Remember when Elijah, during the drought, Elijah went to the widow's house. He said, give me stuff to drink. As she was go, going to get the water, he said, and while you are bringing the water, give me some bread too. I said, what's wrong with you, man of God? These men of God are greedy. greedy. He said, well, I only have a little flour left for my son and I to eat and we die. Will it surprise you if I tell you they ate with the man of God the entire time of the, the rest of the drought and nobody died? There was more than enough. When you put your confident hope in God, he will see you through. He will see you through. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God, the maker of the heavens and the earth, in the name of Jesus. Watch this. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Amen? All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always. For the Lord God is the eternal rock. Let's look at the last one because it's from our scripture of the month. When you put your confident hope in God, God will give you joy. God will give you peace. You know, many studies have shown, many studies have shown that riches don't satisfy. A lot of studies. Money is good though. Uh, money is good. It's the love of money that is bad. <laughs> Amen? Money is good. That's not what I'm talking about. But money, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. You put the, you take out the godliness and you put plenty money, at the end of it is sorrow. You know, I was reading uh, something a long time ago and was talking about the private struggles of the crazy rich. You know, after you have bought everything, then what else? You want an aircraft, you want this, you want a house, you want a yacht, you have, you have you've bought everything that can be bought. What more? It doesn't satisfy, but God will give us peace. God will give us joy. Amen. Our scripture of the month Romans 15, 13. He said, I pray that God, the source of hope, may God give you hope. May God give you hope. Will fill your heart, I will fill you completely with joy and peace. Where there is hope, there will be joy. There will be peace. You will be at rest, even though you don't have, you know, but you are not 
You are not panicking. You just know that somehow, one way or another, God will come through for me. God will come through for you. He will not fail you. He has never failed before. He, will be, he won't begin with you. Please rise to your feet as we uh, wrap this up. Psalm 55, 22, Psalm 55, 22, the old King James, it says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the, uh, the godly to sleep and fall. Lift up both hands to heaven and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I cast my burdens upon you. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you just talk to him? I don't know what those burdens are. You are trusting God for a baby, the fruit of the womb. God will surprise you. God will surprise you. I don't know what you are believing God for. Is it a job? God will surprise you. You are trusting God for a turnaround. God will turn it around for good for you. But it all begins with you dedicating yourself completely and totally to him. Giving your all to him. Many of us have made worship about stuff. But God wants your heart, not your pocket. He wants your heart. He desires your heart. He wants your heart. Ask God to fill your cup. Say, Lord, I empty myself of everything that is not you. And I ask, oh Lord, that you will fill me. Fill me afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. That I may have confident hope in you. That I may know you in a way that I've not known you before. That in my life, Lord, you'll be glorified. Lord, that I will make it all about you all of the time, now and always. Now, now and always. That's what the scripture says. Now and always. That I will trust in you. I will trust in you. With every breath that I take, I will trust you in you. I will love on you, Lord. I will love on you, Lord. Dedicate yourself to him. Don't get tired. Talk to him. I am trusting God for a revival in this season. The reason I've shown you everything I've showed you now is to let you know that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we may think or ask of him. But he wants your heart. He wants your heart. Your full devotion. Your complete dedication to him and to him alone. Not to a church. Not to a pastor. He wants you completely, totally dedicated unto him. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. We hope you've been blessed by this message. 
We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.